Welcome everyone to today's episode of MCG Pediatric Podcast. My name is Monique Bailey and I am a pediatric resident at the Children's Hospital of Georgia. On today's episode, we will be discussing catch-up early childhood vaccinations in the care of under-immunized children. I'm delighted to have Dr. Shridi Kapoor, who's a general pediatrician here at the Children's Hospital of Georgia. Dr. Kapoor has been in practice for almost 25 years throughout the eastern and southeastern U.S. She also has a heart for behavioral health and works in our Pediatric Enhanced Primary Care Clinic, which focuses on behavior and mood disorders in childhood. Welcome, Dr. Kapoor. Thank you, Monique. I'm so glad to be here. This topic is an important part of my practice. It is well known among providers who care for children that immunizations are a critical part of well-child management. Immunizations are one of the greatest public health achievements in medicine as they provide protection early in life for numerous serious preventable diseases. That's right. Thanks to scheduled routine vaccinations, we rarely see diseases such as polio, measles, mumps, and chickenpox, just to name a few. And it is critical for pediatric providers to be adept at catch-up vaccinations so that we can continue to rarely see these diseases. While many providers are well-versed in the standard immunization schedule for children, what happens when an under-immunized child shows up in clinic? There are a number of considerations when we begin planning how to catch these children up on their vaccines. Monique, can you name some of these considerations? Sure. Well, first, it's important to figure out how many immunizations, if any, the child has received, and then to determine which immunizations they have yet to receive. And that all depends on the age of the patient. Some vaccine formulations are also not recommended after a certain age. And then there's timing, too. Some immunizations need certain periods of time between each administration. That's right. A patient with delayed immunizations or who is completely unimmunized will require a modified schedule from the routine vaccination schedule. Many factors are taken into consideration for crafting a catch-up schedule for a patient, including current age, age when last vaccinated, and previous formulations received. As we've experienced with the COVID-19 pandemic, pediatricians have also been seeing patients with delayed immunizations. One Canadian study of about 1,300 children found that on-time vaccination rates dropped from 82% to 62% after March of 2020. So this is a really important topic to review. But before we talk about catch-up immunization, it's important to establish some resources for review of the current immunization schedule. The major governing bodies over this issue include the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or the CDC, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, or ACIP, and the American Academy of Pediatrics, or AAP. They have published guidelines for routine immunizations, and the ACIP updates these guidelines regularly when new formulations or vaccines are available. Exactly. And these organizations provide several resources for questions regarding vaccinations. The CDC website, for example, publishes routine and catch-up immunization tables and chart visuals. Similar information can be found on the AAP website through Red Book Online. The CDC also provides a useful app called the CDC Vaccine Schedule, which is a free app that contains the routine as well as sample catch-up schedules for four months to six years of age and for those seven years to 18 years of age. Links to these resources are available in the show notes for your review. This discussion can get quite complicated if we really went into the minor details of every routine vaccine. Yes, this is why many providers may not feel comfortable dealing with this topic routinely. 
So now that we have established where to review the recommended scheduled immunizations, let's start our discussion with a clinical case. Dr. Kapoor, do you have a case in mind? Of course. Let's consider Lucy, an eight-month-old from Texas who is unvaccinated. She recently moved to your area and her family wants to establish care in your outpatient clinic. Monique, how would you approach deciding the vaccines that she needs? This is certainly a similar case to many patients I see in my resident continuity clinic. In fact, I've devised a tool to help recall catch-up vaccines in healthy patients in early childhood. I would love to hear it. Please go ahead. I call it the number mnemonic, and it works as a countdown, specifically for patients up to four years of age. Listeners can use their hand to do the countdown if they like. So it goes like this. Five doses of DTaP for everyone. Four doses of inactivated polio vaccine, or IPV, for everyone. Three doses of the hepatitis B vaccine for everyone. Two doses of hepatitis A, MMR, and varicella for everyone. One dose of pneumococcal or PCV vaccine for all children. With the exception of at least two doses, the immunizations are started under two years. One dose of Haemophilus influenza B or Hib vaccine if older than 15 months. Lastly, zero doses of rotavirus after 15 weeks of age. That's pretty intuitive. How about we use this in our case? For this eight-month-old patient, she will be able to receive all routine vaccinations except for rotavirus since she's over 15 weeks old. So today, we can give her first doses of Hep B, DTaP, IPV, PCV, and Hib. That's right, but we also want to ensure that she receives appropriate subsequent doses of her immunizations. Most immunizations have follow-up doses in a four-week interval. Exceptions include three months for varicella, six months for hepatitis A, and six months for diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis vaccines between the third and fourth doses, as well as between the fourth and fifth doses. Recall as well for older school-aged children, zero Hib doses should be given after five years of age. For Lucy, she can receive a second catch-up dose of the previously mentioned immunizations in four weeks. At 12 months old, Lucy can receive her final doses of Hep B, PCV, and Hib, and third doses of DTaP and IPV. This will put her back on track with the normal vaccination schedule as she receives her routine MMR, varicella, and HEP-A. Be aware that for DTaP, as we said before, she must wait six months before her fourth dose, which will be when she is 18 months old. Okay, that wasn't too hard. How about another case? All right, let's do one with a slightly older patient. Roberto is a two-year-old male originally from Honduras who is here with his adoptive parents to establish care. On review of his records, he has received one hepatitis B vaccination at birth and the BCG vaccine at 28 days of life. What are your next steps? I haven't yet had the opportunity to see international adoptees in my continuity clinic. I'm going to have to defer to your expertise to start this one. Yes, I have certainly seen patients in this situation. The CDC and the ACIP provide recommendations on vaccinations in this case. Internationally adopted children should, in general, be immunized per the U.S. vaccine schedule. When the child has received prior immunizations from their country of origin, written documentation of immunizations should be the only form of accepted record. If the validity of records is in question, however, a physician may consider repeating immunizations or obtaining titers to prove immunity. However, some vaccines such as the Hib vaccine or the IPV 
do not have currently available serologic titers that show protection against infection. Yes, this is important to consider as well. But our patient in this case also has a listed vaccination that's not routinely administered in the U.S. What do you do in these cases? That's a good point. Let's review a few examples. The Bacillus Comet Guaran, or BCG vaccine, is a single-dose vaccine to prevent mycobacterial illness caused by tuberculosis. This vaccine is given in endemic areas with high TB transmission, including Africa, South and Southeast Asia, parts of the Middle East, and portions of Latin America. Are there other vaccines that are given in countries outside the United States that you are familiar with? Oh, I've heard of the typhoid fever vaccine. I can talk about that one. Typhoid fever is a bacterial enteric illness caused by Salmonella typhi. That's endemic to Asia, Africa, Latin America, and the Caribbean. The vaccine comes as inactivated or live formulations, which can be either injected or given orally. Listeners may also be aware of this vaccine in the case of travelers, who often finish the oral vaccination about one week prior to travel. Yes, that's a great review. Lastly, the cholera vaccine is used to prevent diarrheal illnesses due to Vibrio cholerae. Although endemic to many countries in Africa, Latin America, South and Southeast Asia, the vaccine is currently only routinely administered in Vietnam. The currently used formulation is the killed oral cholera vaccination, which may be given as early as one to two years of age. Despite the variation in these vaccinations we've just discussed, no further doses are necessary on arrival to the U.S., as it is not an endemic area for these diseases. So if I understand correctly from our discussion, it sounds like in general for otherwise healthy children, we don't need to continue any vaccinations from countries that aren't standardly administered in the U.S. Yes, that's correct. However, if there are ever any questions, you can always refer to the ACIP website as mentioned above. So let's get back to our case. We have a two-year-old with one dose of hepatitis B vaccination at birth. Right. Based on our principles from the number mnemonic, by the time the patient is four years old, he would need a total of five doses of DTaP, four doses of IPV, three doses of Hep B, two doses of Hep A, MMR and varicella, and one dose each of PCV and Hib. He would receive the fifth dose of DTaP, fourth dose of IPV, and second doses of MMR and varicella at his routine four-year-old visit. So how would you like to catch him up starting from now? At today's visit, he can receive DTaP, IPV, Hep B, PCV, Hib, Hep A, MMR, and varicella. Although that's quite a few immunizations, combination formulations will help mitigate the number of injections today. In four weeks, he will need another dose of DTaP and IPV. In eight weeks, he can have his third dose of DTaP and final doses of Hep B and IPV. Then in six months from his previous DTaP dose, he can receive the fourth dose of DTaP and the final dose of Hep A. Very good. Interestingly, as he has received BCG, he will need blood testing for TB using the quantiferon gold test rather than standard PPD screening due to high false positive rates with PPD and BCG vaccine recipients. That case was more elaborate, but still manageable. Let's do one more. What about a child who has incomplete immunizations rather than one who is fully or mostly unvaccinated? Let's discuss Macy, a seven-year-old female from Iowa with a history of immunizations until six months of age. Namely, she received three doses each of hepatitis B vaccine, DTaP, IPV, PCV, Hib, and rotavirus. 
This patient is older than what we can cover with our shorthand tool, so let's use the CDC Vaccine Schedule app to create an appropriate catch-up schedule. Sure, give me just a moment. Looking at it now, to catch up her immunizations, she will need one more dose of Tdap, as she's now seven years of age. She will need two doses of Hepe at six months apart. She will get two doses of MMR and varicella, which she can receive as a combination now that she's over four years of age. She should get the second dose at least three months after the first dose, due to timing with the second varicella administration, like we discussed previously. Lastly, Macy will need one final dose of IPV to complete her four-dose series, as all her vaccinations were given under four years of age. Great job! Using your resources made quick work of that case, even though we had not formally explored the situation previously. After working through those cases, I feel more confident in handling underimmunized children when they come to the office for a well visit or to establish care. But what about the underimmunized child or those that have parents who refuse vaccines but present to clinic ill? Yes, there are some clear differences when managing these children. We must consider diseases that these patients may have little to no immunity against. This includes pneumococcal disease, Haemophilus influenza B, and meningococcal disease, depending on the age of the child. What disease presentations might you expect to see in these cases? I would imagine a child with severe pneumonia, occult bacteremia, maybe osteomyelitis, meningitis, or even epiglottitis. Yes, other diseases to consider include urinary tract infections, which are common even in vaccinated children, particularly under one year of age, or pertussis in a child with persistent cough and history suspicious for exposure. Of course, viral diseases are still the most common cause of illness, even in this population. Treatment naturally will depend on a thorough history and physical exam, as well as looking at their vital signs. I've actually looked to the American College of Emergency Physicians for guidelines in triaging these patients in an emergency room setting. Their recommendations for febrile patients aged 3 months to 24 months old include obtaining a screening complete blood count, or CBC, and viral panel on all children, and sampling urine studies if there's a high risk for a urinary tract infection. Imaging is not routinely recommended, but a chest x-ray may be considered with suspicion for pneumonia. If the white blood cell count is elevated greater than 15,000, with an absolute neutrophil count greater than 10,000, it's recommended to obtain a blood culture and give a single dose of ceftriaxone, either intravenously or intramuscularly, with close follow-up within 24 hours. Those are great guidelines for managing these patients that we can extrapolate to the outpatient setting. Why don't we end this discussion with one last case? Joshua is a five-year-old male from Georgia who is unvaccinated, presenting with fever and upper respiratory symptoms, including cough, congestion, and rhinorrhea for the past three days. His family brings him in as a sick visit due to these symptoms, as well as new onset respiratory distress evidenced by retractions. His vital signs in the office are notable for fever to 39 degrees Celsius or 102.2 Fahrenheit, mild tachypnea with a respiratory rate of 40, oxygen saturation of 95% on room air, mild tachycardia with a heart rate of 95, and a normal blood pressure. He has subcostal retractions and transmitted upper airway sounds on auscultation. Monique, what is your differential diagnosis for this child? My differential includes pneumonia, whether due to viral illness such as rhinovirus or influenza, pneumococcal pneumonia, with or without a complication like a pleural effusion, bacteremia, maybe croup secondary to viral disease, 
a possible illness-induced asthma exacerbation, and less likely a foreign body ingestion. Great job with that differential. So what would your evaluation include? Given what we talked about earlier, the patient is showing concerning signs of a serious bacterial infection, possibly a pneumococcal pneumonia. I would obtain some lab work on this patient, including a CBC and a viral panel. Imaging such as a chest x-ray is also reasonable. He would be a good candidate for blood culture and empiric antibiotic therapy, with ceftriaxone as well, with close follow-up based on his studies and response to antibiotics. Yes, I completely agree. As in this case, the immunization status of a child is pertinent for management of illness presentation. I always recommend checking the vaccination status of all children that present for sick visits, especially during the winter and influenza season. It is important not to miss secondary infections in the under-immunized child presenting with fever. Wow, what a great discussion. That was quite the discourse. But it's already time to wrap up our episode today. Let's highlight the key points for our listeners. Sure thing. First off, the management of the well and sick under-immunized child is important yet often tricky to navigate. Pediatricians more often face these scenarios in the post-COVID pandemic given the recent decline in routine vaccination rates in the United States. Understanding catch-up immunizations not only allows for appropriate vaccination, but also prevents unnecessary extra doses of immunizations. We also learned about the many tools, such as your number mnemonic that we walk through, the CDC and AAP websites, and the CDC vaccine app, which are all useful methods to recall catch-up vaccinations required for early childhood. Vaccinations remain a key tool in the prevention of countless communicable diseases in early childhood. Thank you so much for joining me and giving me insight on this important topic, Dr. Kapoor. An additional thanks to Drs. Rebecca Yang, Leela Stallworth, and Erica Sapp, who provided editing and peer review of today's discussion. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Department of Pediatrics at the Medical College of Georgia. If you have any comments, suggestions, or feedback, you can email us at mcgpediatricpodcast at augusta.edu. Remember that all content during this episode is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It should not be used as medical advice to diagnose or treat any particular patient. Clinical vignette cases presented are based on hypothetical patient scenarios. Free CME credit is also available for today's episode. Please refer to our show notes for the link. We look forward to speaking to you on our next episode of the MCG Pediatric Podcast. Thanks, everyone.